0: to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Good morning, church family. To those of you online, good morning. We're so, uh, so excited to be with you. So excited to share God's Word today. And, uh, you know, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And, I was tempted in the first service to ask, you know, who, uh, who may have, who who had a, who had a healthy portion on their plate this, this, you know, this Thursday. (laughs) Pastor Dave just raised up his hand prematurely. I I said I was gonna. I was tempted to. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not gonna go there because, um, because I believe that some of us may have gone a little overboard and I don't wanna put us out there, okay? So credit to me, I'm not even gonna bring that up, not even gonna go there. Uh, it did make me, uh, the first service, I was reminded of, um, of how much I ate this past week and, uh, and how this has kind of been, uh, I was like, oh, it wasn't just this past week, it's been like uh, a, a few weeks. Um, and the reason is a few weeks ago, my my wife and i went on vacation uh to a uh an all inclusive resort and it was my first time at an all inclusive resort and i didn't realize what all inclusive meant uh until i got there now i am like a um i can eat and eat and eat and eat and um and and you may wonder like you, uh, where does it go? And believe me, it's it's being added. But uh, but we were at an all-inclusive resort, and I was I didn't realize that it was like all-you-can-eat food, and that um and at this place the food was really good, and so I I'll I'll be brief with you. But in short, I learned the hard way that a good thing is really good. Until you do it too much, food is great, but you can't you can't just keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. At a certain point, you have to manage it. You have to you have to cut back a little. Um, we were uh, I said I would keep it short, but I'm just going there. Um, we there was okay. So so the buffet is like this. You know, you you get into the same way that all of us. On, for Thanksgiving, we grab our plate and we we examine, you know, what's what's out there, and and we say, okay, I uh, I'm gonna put some turkey and some ham and some stuffing, um, and oh, there's some salad. Maybe I'll I'll put that at the at the end, um, and we go back to our to our, our, our you know, we go back to our seat and the salad didn't make it there. Well, um, same way with the with the all inclusive buffet. Except that uh, uh, the more comfortable I got there, the more comfortable I was with just making another trip and another trip. And then I found the the ice cream bar. And um, let's just say that, um, that I didn't manage myself well. See, in all seriousness, there are a lot of good things that God gives us, but it's up to us to manage it. See, we, are, we, are, uh, we spent 10 weeks talking about pray for it. Pray for what? Pray for God's blessing. Pray for God's provision. Pray for God's healing. Pray for God's uh, hand upon our lives. Pray for God's direction. But what happens when he answers? Well, then we have to manage it. It's, it's up to God to do it, and it's up to us to manage it. Amen. In the Bible, that word manage, there, there's a word... Uh, uh, manager, which is also steward. And it means to take care of something that doesn't belong to you. God gives us things and he gives us gifts and he says, this is for you, but it's for you to what? To manage. We are not owners of this life. We are not owners of the, the blessings that God gives. We are not owners of the provision. We are what? Managers. It's up to us to manage it. And I want to read a passage from the book of Joshua. And then I want to read a, a, one verse from the New Testament. But in Joshua chapter 4, we find the Israelites, they have just crossed the Jordan River. And the significance of this is that you may be aware, familiar with the fact that the Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the desert, They escaped Egypt. They're wandering in the desert for 40 years. And there's a lot of talk about the promised land. There's a lot of talk about a place that will be their home, a place that they will settle into, a place that will will be full of fruitfulness, but they're not there yet. And so for 40 years, they're talking about that. And for 40 years, they're wandering. For 40 years, God is, is kind of spoon-feeding them with manna. And then a time comes where they cross the Jordan River. And that's what I want to read to you right now is what happens after they cross. What happens after God does the miracle? What happens after God uh, uh, stops the flow of the Jordan River, what happens after you cross over? And here's what Joshua chapter four says. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the presence of God. And when, they, when the, the flow of the river stopped, the, the priest went with the Ark of the Covenant right in the middle to show them where to cross. Because where the presence of God goes, how many of, you, how many of us know we should go as well? Amen. Amen. So tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Will you pray with me? God, we just love you. We're here to hear from your word, to grow from your truth, oh God. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, O oh God. Lord, that you would help us uh, make us stewards, make us people who can manage Oh God, what you have so graciously given to us, oh God. So God, we thank you that you're a benevolent God, that you're a good father, that you love to give your children good gifts, oh God. But Lord, we ask that you would give us the capacity, the strength to manage all that you wanna give us, oh God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We look forward to what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. So... In the New Testament, Paul says it this way. Paul says, God treated me with undeserved grace. Anybody here treated with undeserved grace? Anybody here treated with undeserved grace? Here's what Paul says. By the, another translation says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He made me what I am. And his grace wasn't what? Wasted. Wasted. His grace wasn't wasted. Another translation says his grace was not given in vain. I worked much harder than any of the other apostles, although it was really what? God's grace at work and not me. See, there are things that God gives us that he apportions to us, that he pours out to us, that he wants us to take care of. Like I said, we spent 10 weeks talking about Pray for it. Pray for what? Pray for God's hand to move in our lives. What happens when we when God's hand moves in our life? Well, now we have to manage what God has given us. Everybody say it's mine to manage. It's mine, it's mine to manage. Everybody here, God has done something for your, in your life that you are to manage. We have relationships, we have careers, we have jobs. We have education. We have things in our lives. We have provision that God wants us to manage. You know, I remember in high school, uh, I got my driver's license and uh, my mom gave me a car key and she said, this car is not your car, but you have to take care of it. This car, you can drive it, but not anytime you want. It's not your, it's not yours freely. You have to manage it. We all have things in our lives that God is giving to us. And you know what? He does give freely. He gives, he gives abundantly, he gives graciously, but also he wants us to manage it. Amen. I believe what the what you know, um, the, the word steward is is right there with manage. God. God it's mine to manage it's mine to steward it's mine to take care of it's not mine that i own it's his that he owns but i get the privilege of taking care of it Amen. see in our lives god does it but i get to manage it Amen. god this the bible says this is the day the lord has made and what i will what rejoice and be glad in it Amen. see god gives the day we get to rejoice God gives the day, we get to walk in peace. God gives the day, we get to walk in faith. God gives it, we get to manage it. Your days, God gives you, your days are up to you to manage. Moses prayed, God, help me to number my days so I may gain a heart of wisdom. What was he saying? God, help me map out my days. Help me plan my days. Help me assess my days. Help me manage my days. Solomon said, give us careful thought to our steps. Help me, help me give careful thought to the steps that I'm walking out in the call of God. It's mine to manage. It's God's to give. It's mine to manage. You know, I, I told somebody the other day, um, I was I was." I was venting, I was talking to my brother and um and I I said I said man the, it, it happened it happened and then um I'm describing a, a situation I said and they just stole my joy. You ever said that? You ever heard that? They just stole my joy. And you know I'm on the phone and I uh, I couldn't see his face. Uh he didn't say anything um direct but I could you ever get this i could tell from the silence in his voice that he was just correcting me i was like i i i could i could sense the reaction or the lack of reaction that like i was in the wrong you ever get that and afterwards i hang up and i i thought about it and and i thought you know what no one can steal my joy unless I leave the door open. No one can take my joy unless I leave the, 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 the alarm, you know, not set. Unless I leave it out to be stolen. No, no one can steal my joy. It is mine to manage. It's mine that I, that, that I am given. I'm given that day and I can manage that day. It's up to me. There is an authority and a dominion that you have as a child of God to manage what God has given you. That's, where the, that's, that's how God started in the Garden of Eden. Amen. God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, hey, all of this I own, but all that you have access to, and it's yours to manage. It has not changed. Everything in your life you have access to, it is yours to manage. God gives it to you, and we what? Manage it. It's mine to manage so here's the thing, I believe in my heart of hearts that God, you know, we spent 10 weeks, pray for it, pray for it. Pray for what? Pray for the hand of God to move in our lives. We're not supposed to stop praying for it, right? But what happens when God answers, we have to be ready to manage the answer of God, we have to be ready to answer the miracles of God. We have to be ready to answer, to, to, to manage the things that God gives us. And so I want us to talk briefly about how to manage the miracles and the workings of God in our lives. When we, um, when we take on those, what, how can we take that and how can we be like the, the stewards in the Bible who said Jesus uh, or the... Um, uh, the overseer said, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with me, you're gonna get more. How can we say, God, I, want us, I wanna grow in what you, what you entrust to me? How can we say, God, I want to I wanna have more to manage. God, I believe that you're supposed to, you know, the book of Isaiah talks about expanding the, the tent pegs of the righteous, that the Israelites, that they, that they were going to expand their territory. God wants to expand your territory. God wants to bring you to new places spiritually. In, in every part of your life, he wants, to, he wants to do more and more. But guess what? That means that there's something that we have to manage. Everybody say, it's mine to manage. manage. So how do we manage this working of God? Number one, we have to steward our season. We have to steward the season that we're in. How many of you know Chicago's season right now is different than it was a couple months ago? I mean, it's different than it was a couple days ago. I, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine in, uh, he's in New York, and he, uh, he was telling, I was talking to him. He said that he was so, he said, man, it's so cold. I was like, yeah, it is. He said, I'm, you don't understand. I'm going to bed with like three pairs of socks, two pairs of joggers. I've got a heavy coat on. I've got a hat. And I was like, well, it's cold outside, but, but what's going on inside? I said, it sounds like a problem. you got to talk to your landlord about that, right? There are laws about that. And, and he said, no, no. He said, well, the problem is, I, uh, it, you know, when it, was, when it was a different season, when it was warmer, I put the in window, the window unit air conditioning in my room. I said, all right. What happened after that? Well, I left it there. <laughs> well, why? He said, I don't know how to move it. I put it in and I didn't realize what I was doing. Every morning I woke up just kind of expecting that it had fallen off because I hadn't put it in right. And so what 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 he was saying is that now the um, he had duct tape before, but the duct tape started to peel, and the duct tape started to have little holes in it. And so what he's getting is he's getting all the breeze from the outside into his bedroom window, and he's going to sleep like that. How many of you know if you're living in the wrong season, you're not prepared for the season that you're in. If you're not treating the season that you're in as the reality that you're living in, you're going to be cold. You're going to be having to bundle up. You're you're not going to have the access to things like heat. Some of us are living in last season and we're surprised at why we're not prepared for the season right now. Amen. Some of you have to leave a season that you previously were in. Some of, some of us, God is saying, hey, that's, a, that's an old season. I've moved you to something new. And meanwhile, the way that we treat the season that we're in now will prepare us for the, for the next season that we're in. Amen. You notice that, that when I said that, he, he said, I didn't even know how to put in the, the AC unit. I didn't, I didn't seal the, the cracks. I didn't tape it up, right? And so guess what? Now that the, the, him neglecting the season that he was in before is now impacting the season that he's in now. We have to steward our season. I wonder, I wonder what would happen for the Israelites. You know, they crossed the Jordan, but you know what they had to do? They had to cross the Jordan. You know what I I mean by that? They, for 40 years... God was giving them manna. God, they just went in circles and God gave them manna and they went in the same cycle in the same cycle. But guess what? For breakthrough, for a new season, they had to cross the Jordan. God, notice how, how, the, how Joshua 4 says it: God stopped the flow of the Jordan, but then guess what the Israelites did? They crossed. God did not carry them across. God said, hey, there's a new season. The season of me spoon feeding you is over. There's a time where you have to step out. There's a time where you have to step forward. There's a time where you have to cross over. The spoon feeding season is done. I wonder what would happen if we acknowledged the season that we're in as a gift from God. Seasons of of waiting, and we said, God, I'm not gonna go before you, right? Imagine if the Israelites had said, all right, God, we're ready, and they start to go across, but the flow hasn't stopped yet. Seasons of, of pressing, you may feel stretched. You may feel like, God, I have so much on my plate. God might be saying, I'm preparing you for a new season. I'm expanding your pegs. I am. I am expanding. I'm, I'm, giving you an, uh, I'm giving you new things to, to conquer. I'm giving you new challenges. I'm giving you new steps to take. Why? So that you can be prepared for a new season in the future. I wonder what would happen if we say, God, I embrace the season that I'm in. Help me to steward this season the way that you want. I, uh, you know, I I think about David and the ways that he stewarded his seasons in life. You know, you imagine um, when the prophet Samuel came to, to find a king, David Uh, David wasn't asking for the seat of honor and saying, hey, look at me over here. You know what he was doing? He was tending to his sheep. And the Bible records that because later when he goes to, when he shows up at at the battlefield and all the Israelites are scared of Goliath, Saul says, well, how come you think you can fight Goliath? He says, well, I've been fighting the, the lion and the bear. I've been protecting my sheep. I've been tending my sheep. You know what he's saying? I was stewarding my season. Later on, he's on the run, and, and uh, he's being unfairly uh, treated by, by King Saul, even though David is, is, is in waiting. He's, he's um, the future king, and he has an opportunity to kill Saul, and he says, I'm not supposed to touch the Lord's anointed. You know what he's saying? That thing, I'm not supposed to take into my own hands. I need to steward my own season. Doesn't matter what other people want me to do. Doesn't matter the, the outside pressures. I know what God wants me to do. I'm supposed to steward my season. But David's downfall came when he, when he was not stewarding the season that he was in. When he was trying to be in a different season. Take a look. Second Samuel says this. In the spring, at the, time, at the time when kings go off to war, okay? We'll come back to that. David sent Joab out. David is king now. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. In the spring, in the season that the kings go off to war, David remained in Jerusalem. David did not acknowledge or steward the season that he was in. You know what happened? If I read, if I had verse 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 right there, you would see that this is the point when David fell with Bathsheba. David was compromised when he didn't want to live in the season that God had put him in. I know that's that's sobering, but for you and for me, I feel like acknowledging, seeing, recognizing, and embracing the season that God has put us in will, will lead to the breakthroughs that we have. Imagine if the Israelites had said, you know what? It's not our season to cross over, it's not our season to go by. They would have stayed in, 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 in the desert for more years and more years and more years. God said, No, it's time for breakthrough. Amen. For you and for me, there might be, this might be a season of breakthrough. Amen. This might be a season of breakthrough where you're supposed to step forward. This might be a season of waiting where you're supposed to say, God, keep refining me, keep molding me, keep shaping me. This might be a season of, of faith where you're supposed to step out and do something new. This might be a season of growth where you're supposed to learn new things. I, uh, this past Wednesday, I had this uh, genius idea. I, knowing it was Thanksgiving the next day, um, I, uh, I said to my wife, hey, we should, uh, they'd have like the turkey trot tomorrow. We should, we should run that. And she said, okay, yeah, sign us up. Um, and then I, I went on the website and I thought it was like a mile run um, I've talked about this before. I am not a runner. I don't like running. I don't enjoy running. I don't find it renewing. Um, I like working out. I like playing basketball. Don't make me run. Um, so I go on the website and it's not a mile run. It's a, it's a 5K. It's an 8K. And, um, and so then I'm like, I say, Amanda, are you sure you want to run tomorrow? She said, you brought it up. I said, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Uh, should we do the, but, and, then, and then somehow, I don't know how this came, somehow I got some boldness, and I was like, should we do the 8K? And, and she said, no, no, let's do the 5K. I was like, all right, cool. Um, for your sake, we'll do it, you know? Uh, so we show up the next day, and, and five kilometers is 3.1 miles, and, uh, and I bundle up, I get warm, and we're, uh, we start this, this race, right? And we run now. So, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna track uh, how long we're running so that I know how long we have left, right? And I know that eight blocks, eight city blocks is a mile right? And I'm also, I have my AirPods in. And so as I'm running, we run, you know, we're, we're by Lincoln Park Zoo. So we run through like the, this street that is so long, right? And we're running so long. And then we take a left. And then we're, we're going towards the lake. And it is so long towards the lake. And then we take a left at the lake and we're going back. And I'm like, oh, okay, now we're headed back towards the finish line. And in my head, I'm like, wow, okay, we're like four songs in, right? So if each song is five minutes, it's like 20 minutes. I'm counting. I'm like one block, two block, six blocks. Okay. We're at a mile. And then I I keep counting mile and a half. All right, good. We're doing good. We're like halfway there. Two miles. Oh, I'm feeling good. Like I should have done the 8K, right? (laughs) Two and a half miles. Man, I am killing this. Like I you know, and, and, and at, the, at the start, my wife was like, hey, if you want to run your own pace, like, go ahead. Don't worry about me. We'll meet up at the finish line. I was like, no, I, wanna, um, I want us to run together, you know. Um, I want to be a good husband. I want to be supportive right there with you. And, um, and so two and a half miles in, I'm like, man, maybe I should have, like, gone at my own pace because maybe I could have, like, won this thing, you know. <laughs> um, I'm like, how bad am I? And, and so then like two and a half miles, I'm like, Wow, like just about a half mile left. And I'm running and I'm like, okay, it's probably start like time to start sprinting so that I can really like get the best out of this, get the, get the best time that I can. And, um, and I'm thinking about my friend who's, who's like a marathoner. He's also running the race. I'm like, just wait till he sees my time, you know, on the website. He's gonna be amazed that I don't even train for this. And, and I'm running and I'm like, and then I look up and I see this mile marker. I was at two and a half miles in my head. The mile marker said one mile. I said, I'm supposed to have a half mile left, but I'm not even a third of the way through. So I kept going, dejected, defeated, depressed. And then it hit me, I was like, If I had not, if my wife, if I had not been running alongside my wife, I would have been running, like I would have started really fast and I would have thought that I was like really close to finishing and I wouldn't have been close and I would not have finished without stopping. But see, I was running alongside my wife. And so when I realized I'm only a third of the way in, I said, thank God for my wife because she kept the pace for me. She didn't even realize it, but she was the voice of wisdom more than the voice of wisdom. She was the running person of wisdom, keeping pace alongside of me so that I wouldn't outrun myself. Sometimes we can get so, we want everything to happen at once that we start to outrun God. We start to say, God, what, what do you have for me in the future? I want it now. God, the promised land, I want it now. God, the crossing over of the Jordan, I want it now. And God says, no, you're in the season that I want you in, and it is a gift. I was on the way home and uh we we're like halfway home because um uh before I said this because for the 30 40 50 60 minutes after I couldn't talk um <laughs> and we're halfway on the way home and and in my uh what I thought was very vulnerable state I said man I uh you know I got I started to get a little tired like at the mile marker like the between that first and second mile was was tough for me and she said she said yeah you were pretty much walking at the Gatorade table <laughs> I was like you saw me take the Gatorade at that table I didn't want you to see me The season that you're in is not necessarily the season that the person next to you is in. Yeah. Don't put this up, but in, in First Peter, Peter says, don't, rem- "Don't forget about this, that to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day." You know what that means? That means that your timetable? is not the person next to you. It's not the other person in the room. It's not the other person on social media. God's timetable for your life is God's timetable for your life. All you have to do is embrace the season that you're in. Steward the season. Manage the season. Approach the season that you're in with, God, I'm gonna make the best of this, and God, you're gonna expand me. You're gonna multiply me. So when we steward the season... You know, uh, last thing, Um, there was this, when I was growing up, there was this baseball player, his name, you won't know his name, his name was Lenny Harris. If you know him, you're like a, a hardcore baseball fan, but Lenny Harris has the most pinch hits in the history of baseball. What that means is that if you're a pinch hitter, you come off the bench and you have to bat and and you're expected to try and get a hit. You haven't played the whole game. No warm up, nothing. And I remember seeing an interview with him and pinch hitting is hard. Like you don't have a warm up. You haven't been in the game. You're just cold. You get out there. And they said, "How do you approach being a pinch hitter as opposed to someone who's playing the whole game?" He said, "Well, when I take batting practice, I don't do any sort of warm up. When I take batting practice, I get up, I put my my uniform on, I take a couple practice swings as if I was in the batter's box and I get up there and I have to face a 90 mile an hour fastball right there. He said, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't take slow pitch, I don't do other things. You know what he was saying? All the other guys who are starting, who are playing the whole game, they can progress, they can get there. But for me, I have to sit two hours on the bench and then I have to get up and I have to be ready to hit, ready to perform. And so I need to practice the way I'm expecting to play. For you and for me, we have to embrace our season like that. It is not like somebody else who's in the lineup. It might be, you know what? I have to embrace the season that I'm in based on the circumstances that I am in. Steward everything, manage everything, saying, God, the season I'm in is a gift from you. You have your eyes on me. God has not forgotten about you. Online, God has not forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the thoughts in your mind. He knows the cares in your heart. He knows the people in your life. He wants to use them as voices of wisdom, as voices of confirmation. He wants to show you his providences and he wants to help you steward the season that you're in so that you can be ready for the next one. All of the things that God has given you, the provision, the resources, your relationships, the person that you might be sitting next to, those things, those are God's grace in physical form for you. Amen. And what did Paul say? Paul say, I did not, you did not give me your grace in vain. Your grace is not wasted on me. May we be people, God's grace is not wasted on us. No, God, we embrace the grace. We embrace the season that we're in. And when we can embrace the season, we can steward the season, then God can help us steward the story. Everybody say steward the story. story. God's gospel, the gospel of God. Pastor Dave talked about this on Tuesday. The gospel is God's story and God has entrusted us with that story. God has allowed us to be stewards of his story. God has allowed us to be stewards of Jesus coming to the earth. That is a privilege. God has done that how? By God making Jesus real in you. Amen. You are a steward of Jesus being real. You are a steward of God's story. The, um, you know, the gospel, it's God's story, but it's ours to manage. Joshua, in, the, in, this, in this story, in Joshua chapter 4... Joshua, God tells Joshua to tell them this and Joshua tells them this. He says, take 12 stones. Go, they've crossed. And he says, go back. The river is still still parted. The river has, the, the, the flow has still stopped. Go in there and grab stones from the middle of the river, okay? Bring those out. Put them all together. And from now on, that is gonna be the story, that is gonna be the thing that reminds your children of what God has done. So this is the way, the way that you and me, you know, we see a, a monument or a statue or a plaque and it says, this happened here. This happened for this reason. And it gives us remembrance for that. That's what this was supposed to be. And so I imagine that A few years go by, and the children of Israel, they say, Daddy, they say, Mommy, what are those stones for? They say, oh, you won't believe it, but where we're at now is not where we used to be. We didn't know that we would make it, and here's why. We were in the desert. We we had food only when God would give us manna, and, and after 40 years, it was the same food over and over. And we're on the other side of the river. And we didn't know if we would cross. And then the river was, was parted and, and God told us to go through and we crossed over. And now our lives are way different. Does that sound familiar? Should that sound familiar? That should sound familiar too because that should be the story that we're telling. So here's what happened. Probably a few more years go by. You say, Mom, Dad, what, what, what are those stones? oh, those, those are from uh, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, you know, we we're on the other side of the river, but then God brought us over. And, and then a few years go by, and here's what happens. In Judges chapter two, this is what it says. After, this is the end of Joshua's life. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So if you look at Joshua chapter four, Judges chapter two, what happens in in between there is a lot of battles. The Israelites fought a lot of battles and they're supposed to fight a lot of those battles. But what I suspect happened is that the battles got bigger than their testimony. the things that they were doing got bigger than what God had done. See, it, this, this cuts a lot of different ways. Sometimes it can be, oh, uh, you, know how I, you, know, you know why my job is like this and why my home is like this? It's because I did that. And you forget that God set you up for that. Amen. Or sometimes what happens is that the battle becomes so big that, that you know, somebody might ask you, hey, how you doing today? Oh, another battle, another day, another battle. You know, and, and you start to say, oh, all, all of life is a battle, and you forget that God is setting you up for those battles, that God's not setting that, that it's not battle after battle, it's more victory after victory. But we lose the fact that God, that Jesus wants to be in the center of the story. That's why we have to steward the story. We can never forget the fact that Jesus is at the center of the story. It's not, it's not us who made our, our lives this way, it's God who set us up. But no, sometimes, you know, maybe the maybe the issue is not not your job, maybe it's the story that you're stewarding. Maybe the issue is not your kids or your spouse, but it's the story that you're stewarding. Are you allowing the enemy to rewrite your story? No, Jesus is saying, God is saying in this passage, even Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it's by grace, steward the story of God so that you can say, it's by grace that I'm here. It's by grace that my home is the way that, I, that it is. It's by grace that I have this job. It's by grace that I get the opportunity to steward something. Last thing, and then I'll close. I, uh, yesterday, I was at a function, and um, there, was a, uh, there was somebody that I met, met him for the first time, and we were talking about Thanksgiving and what we did, and, uh, and then we were talking about the weekend, and, I, and he asked me what I was, you know any plans for tomorrow? I said, oh, I have church tomorrow and uh, um, he he he, I'll never forget the reaction on his face he was like oh why you know why and um, I wish I had a better response for him because I was so thrown off that in my heart I'm like why not but but he's talking and uh, and the conversation keeps going he has a very uh, we'll say pessimistic view of church and um, and so, so we're talking, we're kind of sitting by each other. And, uh, and you know, and, and I didn't press the issue. And I said, um, you know, for, uh, the Bible talks about this. When Solomon asked for wisdom in, uh, in 1 Kings, it's, he asked for wisdom, but some of the translations say he asked for a listening heart. And I had read that earlier in the week. And as he's talking, as we're sitting next to each other, uh, and, I'm, I'm pre- and I'm hoping that we can get back to why he's so pessimistic on church. I'm saying, God, give me a, a listening heart. One of the ways that you, can story, that you can steward the story of God is say, God, give me a listening heart. Give me a listening heart for your, for your voice and then God, give me a listening heart for the people around me. And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to him, I'm talking to him. And, um, and eventually he says, so how'd you end up going to that church? And I was like, oh, well, there we go. You know, he teed me up for my testimony. And I, I tell him, you know, 15 years ago, I was in college and I was, um, I was lost and I was searching and I, um, I was at the end of myself and and I tell him the whole story. And then I'm kind of finishing the story and I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, "Um, that's great, but that was 15 years ago. What's God doing now? Tell him what God's doing now." And so, I just I was like, I hadn't thought this through. I was just like, "But you know what? Um, let me tell you. It's not about a church, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship." With God. And and here's what I said. I said, I said, you know what? Here's how it plays out in my everyday life. I said, a couple weeks ago, my I looked at the calendar with my wife, and I got so overwhelmed with all that we're supposed to do, with with dates and 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 this thing on the calendar, and this responsibility, and this stewardship, and this thing to manage, and this thing to manage, and this thing to manage. And I prayed and then I read the Bible that day and and God gave me this promise. And after I prayed, I went to my wife and I said, hey, you know why this season is crazy? It's because God is answering the prayers of seasons past. That God is giving us new things to steward, and it's a wonderful responsibility. And when we pray, God gave us peace right there. He said, God, this is your will. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do this. We may not always supposed to be doing all these things, but in this season, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And so I told him all this, right? And I I said, Carl, you ever feel overwhelmed? You ever feel like there's way too much on your plate that, that there are things that you don't understand that you're supposed to be taking care of? He looked me dead in the eye. He said, I feel like that right now. Now, I tried to, I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, no, thank you. I asked him if I could give him more verses. He said, no, thank you. And that's cool, right? But I said, I wanna invite you to my church sometime because here's the thing. You said that God's not real, but I know that God's real in my life but don't, you don't have to take my word for it. I said, come to my church or go to, go to a, a, a church with life in it and you will see people who've been transformed by the love of God, by the story of God, and they're not faking it. I know the people that I see on Sunday and I see on Tuesday, they're not faking it. God is real in their life. There's no faking that. Now, I don't know. I, I'm praying for them. I don't know what will come of that, but here's the thing. When you steward the story in your life that is for you and it is for the other people in your life it is for you because you're not supposed to believe the lies that the enemy has you're not supposed to believe that oh, uh, this season was meant for somebody else or, or I'm supposed to be back there, or I'm supposed to be ahead over here. No, sometimes the enemy tries to get into that story and feed you lies. Feed you lies about the other people in your life. Feed you lies about, about the way that other people might see you. Feed you lies about uh, the fact that maybe what you're doing doesn't matter. No, it does matter. God wants you to know that he has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and to bless you. And you know what? You may not know what those plans are. I don't know the full the full. Of those plans, but God knows the fullness of those plans, and God is saying, "Keep me at the center of your story, and I'll show you the plans." But then it's for other people, because that's how you shine. That's how you're bright. That's how you're a star. The uh, Philippians says that you will be a star to the to this to this wicked and depraved generation. That you will shine like a star. The story of God's love and working in your life is to be stewarded. It's to be cared for and nurtured. God speaks to you. Don't just, it's not just somebody, it's not just a random stranger speaking to you and you can move on. No, cultivate that. Hold on to that. Put it in your heart. Journal about it. Do something. Hold on to that. Steward the story of God in your